you have to dive deep into because you have a KYC process. Uh, if you have the KYC process fulfilling its actual purpose, uh, and with actual purpose I mean looking at something else and just than just legal tick boxes, you have a KYC process that is based on your actual risk. Then you might actually see the red flags. Welcome to the laundry. The podcast connecting AML, compliance, and financial crime to the real world. I'm your host, Fredrik Risser, and in this episode, we're exposing the money laundering risks of the insurance industry. Ask yourself, what are the first three words that come to mind when you think of insurance? Security, protection, safety? I doubt many of you would have instantly said money laundering, global terrorism, or criminal conspiracy. But... This industry, built on trust, has a troubling issue with dark money being washed through it. In fact, figures from PwC suggest two-thirds of insurers will experience fraud or financial crime in a single year. In today's episode, we have a great guest with us to shed some light on this topic, including how is money being laundered through the insurance industry? How is the industry attempting to fight back? And... What happens if this is not properly addressed? To dive into this topic, I'm here with Tara Abdi, Head of Compliance Financial Crime and Ansvarsäkringer, and who is also part of the Swedish Institute Against Money Laundering. Welcome to The Laundry, Tara. Maybe we should just jump straight into it and you could share a bit about your expertise and background with our listeners. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. And uh, I must say, I, among other listeners, uh, love your podcast. So I'm thrilled to be here and uh, to be uh, to having the opportunity to talk about this very important topic. Well, I can say that I've worked within the insurance industry for about a decade, I would say, and with the AML regulation for as long as that. I've worked in the first line of defense, very operative, but also with the regulation, of course. And now I am within the second line of defense, um, making sure we have regulatory or maintain regulatory compliance within financial crime. Uh, maybe we should just start by laying out the risks of the financial crime in the insurance sector. So it's uh, it's worth sharing that you came to us with this topic, and I'm curious to understand what is it that you're passionate about? Why is it so important to get this message out there? This is very important to me because, first of all, I actually see what is going through uh, the insurance system and what kind of abuse we get put through. And the other thing is that I also see what is the main topic when talking about financial crime or money laundering is all the time banks, right? This is understandable because banks, uh, of course, they have a higher risk of, of getting used for money laundry, financial crime, whatever. But in my world, what is not understandable is how we cannot broader our spectra to look at other financial institutions as well when we know that the criminals are way ahead of us. Uh, so for me, it's very important to talk about this topic. And also when you dive deeper into the insurance company, which we'll do further on, you will also see that in some cases, maybe not the banks are the first financial institution in, in the economic system of, of the criminal people. 
So I think that we have to shed light on other financial institutions and insurance companies uh, most certainly. How can insurance become a tool for money laundering? Well, first of all, when you think about insurance and financial crime, what might cross your mind is premium fraud. And talking about premium fraud, we might have criminals purchasing an insurance policy with illicit funds they pay to this insurance policy. And uh, basically meaning that they pay premiums with, with black money. So what can happen afterwards is that they, they subsequently uh, cancel the policy and request a refund. And by doing so, they also launder the money through the insurance company. But what you need to have in mind with this simple case is that at least here in Sweden, uh, when an insurance company pays out from an insurance policy, the transaction in the bank will say, because obviously we don't pay out in cash, we, we pay to a bank account. The transaction will say insurance company X making a transaction to B. And you might have this Americanized vision of insurance companies doing everything in their power not to pay from an insurance policy, but this is not true. But with this thought, having human flesh and blood in the banks behind, behind the, the controls, uh, you can ask yourself, will the transaction coming from an insurance company ever be questioned within the bank? We also, I mean, to take it even further, you can ask yourself, how is the word pension compatible with financial crime? Most people don't even combine these words, but again, uh, we need to broaden our spectra to see what kind of landscape do I get when I think insurance company, maybe a pension product and financial crime. So when you talk about pensions, I would say it cannot only be used for, uh, for money being washed and for criminals to secure future income, but we, we also see that a pension can be used as a actually very important tool to commit crime somewhere else. What type of red flags should we be looking for in the cases where we can spot them? And if there are cases where there's lackful amount of information, is that a red flag in and of itself? As an example, in Sweden, uh, most uh, procurement procedures, they require companies to actually have a pension policy for their, for their employees. And looking at the construction industry, for an example, where you have a construction company uh, as a legal front, uh, you can also win a lot of procurements if you want to. But to be able to participate in a procurement and to win a procurement, you need to have a pension policy. And many times we have our investigators looking at these kind of situations, asking themselves, do these employees even exist? What areas of insurance are most at risk, would you say? Well, I would say it depends uh, because you have to look at each insurance type to see what kind of red flags do I see when diving deeper into the product. Well, we have pension products and some might even say that pension products are equal to uh, very low risk of being used for financial crime or, or money laundering. But then I would say you don't have the right type of risk awareness or maybe you don't even have the right knowledge about the the insurance business and the pension business, but also you have to dive deeper into what usage do you have of a pension policy in the real world, like procurements, you need the work permit, and so on. And what kind of enabler 
does the pension policy turn into when you have that kind of, of mindset? So what I'm trying to aim for is the word uh, human exploitation. Okay? And we know that uh, foreign work labor are in high risk of being used for human exploitation. What is the typical criminal profile using the insurance sector to launder money? I would say the typical profile for the insurance sector is actually just the same as for banks, for example, or other financial institutions. And with that, I mean the customer risk is basically the same in every financial institution, regardless of, of the risk within the product, right? But I would say that right now in Sweden, what we see a lot of is that companies and legal persons are created to commit financial crime. And we see that legal activities are mixed with illegal activities within these companies so it can be used as a legal front and doing so it's also very difficult for us to to notice some red flags so i would say definitely we have to be aware of which we have also our authorities saying in, in sweden that uh, we have to be aware of companies uh, because they are used as a legal front so you mean shell companies being created for just the purpose of and and people or, or fake identity created for people yeah um, with your experience is there anything that has stood out so that you think people should have or deep dive further into uh, to, to make sure they're doing everything they can to understand sort of who they're doing business with. I would say like companies doing this, the red flags we see is uh, what you said, like shell companies, fake identities. We have mules within, within the ownership, the boards. We often see that they have very high sales or revenue relative to the size of the company. Also very usual and so on. So when talking at least about the pension product, when having all, the, all of these red flags, I mean, you have to ask yourself, what is the purpose of the pension? Because if you just think that the pension product has such low risk and you, you're not able to see how the pension product can be used as a tool to commit crime somewhere else, you might just ignore maybe the fact that we have the, the risk connected to the customer. But you have to be able to answer that question when you have these kind of signals to be able to ensure the purpose of having uh, the, the insurance policy. This February, we're asking KYB My Valentine. The podcast connecting AML, compliance and financial crime to the real world is hosting our first ever live onstage recording from the UK capital. We're recording The Laundry Live on February 8th at Shoreditch Studios, bringing you killer keynotes, expert guests, hot takes and networking too. If you can make it to London, we'll also be streaming the whole thing on February 9th on YouTube. Go check out the links in the podcast description to get your free ticket to this event or to sign up to our live stream. Choose us this Valentine season. One particular scheme that I read about was the setting up of a shell company or a fake identity which actually would be the hospital so the medicare industry which then would ask for funds from insurance companies to be paid out and back to your point early on in the conversation regarding trust and regarding 
and the fact that insurance companies usually pay out the money. They don't go too deep into understanding if there's a workaround or an Americanized version, as you put it. Have you noticed this as well? Is this a sort of a trend now, especially now moving even further into a digital world post-COVID, where companies are set up looking like Medicare, looking like hospitals and so forth, asking for claims from the insurance industry? I don't dare to say it's a trend uh, that we see, but uh, I mean, again, you have to... You have to dive deep into it because you have a KYC process. Uh, if you have the KYC process fulfilling its actual purpose, uh, and with actual purpose, I mean looking at something else and just than just legal tick boxes. You have a KYC process that is based on your actual risk, then you might actually actually see the red flags, and this won't pass you by, even though it's a trustworthy hospital or or medical center or whatever also with the digitalization and uh, post covid uh, we see that we need to be to be a, we need to be available for our, uh, customers as well of course so the dig- digitalization process actually if you don't have the right risk awareness, uh, this is why I preach about risk awareness, uh, and you create digital processes, you also create other types of risks. So speaking of trends within anti-money laundering or money laundering and the insurance industry, is there any specific trends that you've noticed? I would say a definitive trend is the usage of technologies, not only technologies to to be um, available to the customers, as well as every financial institution needs to be. We also see the usage of different technologies to combat financial crime, right? Or not just to combat financial crime, to make our KYC processes uh, better. And we see these in the whole financial sector, of course. And while these technologies, I would say, offer a significant opportunity for both innovation and effectiveness or efficiency, we can also see that um, they can pose some certain kind of risks and challenges if you don't have the right risk awareness within your business or financial institution. And I would say what's crucial to be aware of when you use this kind of technologies are the security risks, of course, but also the legal and regulatory challenges such as, you know, privacy issues. How important are brokers and intermediaries in this issue? I would say insurance brokers are very important. In Sweden, we uh, the insurance brokers within at least the life insurance sector, uh, they are included in the national AML regulation, which also means that they are obliged to comply with the, the requirements of the AML regulation. So as long as they, as distributors of insurance policies, do not know what kind of risk they are standing in themselves and how insurance companies can be used, uh, the insurance brokers are it's a high risk of being used as a coverage against the insurance companies because they become the third party that actually uh, doesn't involve uh, contact with the customer for the insurance company. This, of course, creates a vulnerability that criminals can use uh, for money laundering. How pervasive would you say this is in the industry, Uh, particularly in Sweden, but also 
globally? Of course, I, I would say this is growing uh, and it's not growing only because it becomes harder to get through other financial institutions such as banks, but also the innovation and digitalization that the insurance sector is going through, as we just talked about. Uh, this also exposes the insurance sector to, to risks that needs to be mitigated. And also when banks become tougher to get through, these criminals, they take advantage of other financial institutions. And we all know that these people are quite innovative. I always say, look at what happened to Spotify, uh, for an example. Please elaborate. <laughs> With Spotify. Yeah. I mean, uh, me and my wildest fantasy wouldn't even think of Spotify getting used for money laundering. And this is, Spotify is not a financial institution. It's not uh, a company you uh, combine with the word money laundering at all. But here we see criminals are using uh, their platform and their uh, digital swear to actually create possibilities to launder money. The alleged scheme goes like this. The gangs would identify crypto traders through Facebook, exchanging their physical cash for Bitcoin at a small premium, and using it to pay people who sold fake streams on Spotify, which is a Swedish company. They made sure we ended up at the top of the charts, he said, adding that the fake streams also led to an uptick in real streams as well. Higher streams led to higher payouts from Spotify. The newspaper said that in Sweden, amassing a million streams pays about 40,000 to 60,000 kroner or 3,800 to 5,600 US dollars. Let's spend some time on the, on the fight back against financial crime and, and look into some potential solutions. And where are AML and compliance team in the insurance sector uh, focusing their efforts typically? So I keep saying the word risk awareness uh, because, again, uh, for me, it's crucial on, on how we implement AML regulation and compliance teams with, within the insurance sector they need to engage in risks even further, I would say. I think this will lead to compliance functions being able to make sure that regulatory compliance is not only involves the legal tick boxes, but also actually mitigating measures which are actually built on, on the risk, which is also the risk-based approach that the law requires. And I would say that a problem we have in the financial sector as a whole, which I know some other participants in this podcast have talked about uh, in earlier episodes, is the regulatory conflict where we have AML uh, on one side and the, and the privacy issue on the other side. So talking about insurance companies, in Sweden at least, we have even other specific regulations uh, that leads to a regulatory conflict. And sometimes these regulatory conflicts might, might lead to a, a pain when it comes to offboardings, uh, for example, uh, especially when talking about pension products. Um, and this, What's your take on that? Uh, well, Frederick, that's a big issue and we would, we would need a whole other episode to talk about that. Why is it so important for the insurance industry to, to properly address these risks? 
Again, my favorite word, risk awareness. If you're not aware of your risk, if you're not able to know what kind of actual risks that your business is vulnerable to, you won't be able to ensure a risk-based approach properly. So for me, as for now, my main worry is that we have a lack of awareness in the insurance industry and not only the insurance industry, but we also have a lack of awareness in other types of industries, such as banks as well, concerned. Uh, the, the insurance industry and the risks. And um, here it's very important as a compliance professional, as the first line of defense in, within the insurance companies to be able to know what kind of risks they are uh, looking into. Otherwise, we will just sit there with a bunch of legal tick boxes, uh, not holding up to what we need them to hold up to. Uh, and obviously, we won't have the risk-based approach either. And, and if you look at not getting this right, do you see any major consequences down the line for the, the whole insurance industry? The, for me, the consequences are obvious. I mean, for every financial institution, not taking their responsibility to understand their actual risk and through that not being able to ensure regulatory compliance, I would say, in an adequate way, the consequence is a, a negative impact on society. And uh, looking at what impact financial crime has on an insurance company, we can see that the price for the insurance company uh, being used um, as a tool for, for financial uh, crime, in the end is paid by the customer, especially looking at non-life insurance. So if a fully funded plan of action could be put into place from tomorrow, what would you like to see? Well, Frederick, Christmas has just passed, <laughs> but I would like to see insurance companies paying more attention to the actual risk uh, related to both life insurance and uh, uh, as well as non-life insurance. If uh, insurance companies also level up their controls to a level where they actually are able to find red flags connected to the insurance risks, they can also increase the amount of, uh, of reports to the FIU because looking at what the insurance sector in total in Sweden uh, reported to the FIU, I think it's almost around 40 reports. It's nothing for a whole industry in itself. Mm. And uh, I also want to see authorities and the legislators paying more attention to the insurance sector and also actually the financial supervisory authority, the FSA, they have to level up their supervisory activity because we have had a very low activity there. And I think this also shows uh, the risk that is assessed with the insurance sector in a whole. And it also affects the compliance level uh, of the industry, I would say. So also when I'm going through my Christmas list, <laughs> I would, uh, I would also want authorities to look at the regulatory conflict so we won't have an issue looking at pension schemes or pension insurance policies while having them off-boarded, for an example, here in Sweden at least. How confident are you that the industry will be able to get the grips with the issue? I'm confident. 
I see the light in the end of the tunnel. <laughs> uh, I know that there is a willingness to do whatever is needed. And I, I know that because this is fighting financial crime. And I also know that insurance companies, uh, we do whatever we can to make sure that we are not being used for financial crime. And uh, again, I mean, as long as the risk awareness gets better uh, and to a higher level, uh, the insurance companies, I think, will achieve more in the work against financial crime. And that brings this recording of The Laundry to an end. Tyra, thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find out more about you and, and connect? Thank you, Frederick, for having me. And to the listeners, I'm happy to, uh, to connect on LinkedIn. Money makes a world go round. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, go check out the back catalog and follow The Laundry on your favorite podcast platform or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please also leave a review. It truly helps others find out about the podcast. To get in touch with the Laundry team, you can comment on the Strice LinkedIn page or email laundry at strice.ai. Your host for this episode was me, Fredrik Rieser. Our producer was Matthew Dunn-Miles. Our engineers were Nicholas Thorn and Dominic Delirgi. The Laundry is proudly produced by Strice, the AML automation cloud. If you're looking for an effective AML solution for your organization, we suggest you visit strice.ai. See you next time. Whoa, whoa.